Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad that you are joining us for another hope-filled message. And our prayer is that you are encouraged by this powerful Sunday sermon. Hey, stay standing for a second. You know, it is amazing the testimony that Pastor Paul just gave us. But I want you to hear my words, whatever location you're at, if you're watching online, if you're here in this auditorium, right here, right now, God sees you. He sees you like nobody else sees you. He knows your fear. He knows your hardship, your question. Because it would be understandable that some of us would go, wow, God, you are so good when we hear the story of Pastor Paul. When's my turn? When's my turn? And we're taught as Christians to trust Jesus. But how do you do that? It's kind of nebulous. Am I trusting this historical figure from 2,000 years ago? Am I trusting some king that's coming in the future? When you know what Jesus is doing today for you, you can trust him. And Jesus is at work right now. And if you'll open up your hearts and your minds over these next few minutes as we open up the word, you're going to discover not just a truth, but a revelation of Jesus that will build your faith so you know, I can trust him, because he's the one who's at work. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you do the heavy lifting in our lives, and you call us just to trust you. So over these next few minutes, Jesus, would you teach us, but even more than that, would you show yourself to us, each of us, uniquely, distinctly? Would you meet each one of us exactly where we're at? That in our deepest corners of our heart, we would know we can trust you. Thank you, Lord, for meeting us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You know, we're in this series on the Bible and how to read the Bible and the value of the Bible. And I heard a pastor one time years ago said, the Bible is like a, like a car manual. And I didn't like that metaphor because nobody reads their car manual whatsoever until you have a problem and then it's too late. <laughs> to me, the Bible is more like a treasure map. You open it up and you are searching for gold, which you will find. And when you look at scripture and you're searching for it, here's the treasure you discover. You find two people in the Bible. You find yourself and you find Jesus. Because a lot of times in our Christianity, we put a lot of the emphasis on what we're doing and what we should do and how we should behave and what we should be doing. But for the next few minutes as we look at his word, what Jesus wants to remind us about is what he's doing. Because if you know the work that Jesus is doing for you right now, you'll discover a faith and a trust in you. If you don't know what he's doing right now, you're going, I'm trying to trust, but I'm just kind of in a fog. And so God puts this story in the New Testament for the distinct purpose of teaching us, here's the work that Jesus is doing for you right now. There are multiple things that he's at work for you, and when you grab a hold of that, you discover this faith that you can have in him. We're in this story as well. So open your Bibles to Luke chapter, John chapter 11. And John chapter 11, the story is about two sisters. That's you and I. We're like these sisters. They got a problem. They bring their problem to Jesus, just like we all do. 
And then the story unfolds as to what Jesus does. John 11, starting in verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother's Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. This seems a little strange. Sisters like us, you have a request, you have this pressing need, you bring it to Jesus. And you have this expectation and you discover in these sisters kind of this cycle we find ourselves in. You have an expectation. Of course Jesus will answer my prayer. Of course he's going to respond. He gets it and he says, I love him. I'm going to wait. And this cycle can take place if we're not careful. And we don't know what Jesus is doing because he seems to be absent and silent. It starts with an expectation. Yes, Jesus will answer. But when he doesn't work the way we think he should work in the timing we think he should do, an expectation turns into disappointment. Some of you right now may be in that place, and there's a grace that's there, but a disappointment can turn into a confusion. Why? Why is this happening? And a confusion can go into a regret. We'll discover that in the story where the sisters come to Jesus, and they say this, if only, if only something would have been different, if only I would have prayed more, if only I would have fasted. If only I wouldn't have said those words. And regret can lead to a despair. And we step back from that. And the reason why this story is given to us is because God knew there would be times on this side of eternity that would be difficult. And we would face a hardship. We'd face adult children who have gone off the rails in their faith. We'd face physical illness. We face fears that don't even have any grounding, but they're there and they are real. We would face an anxiety. And he knew we would bring them to him and we'd have, find ourselves in this place of faith. And it's at that moment he says, listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to trust Jesus at work for you. I don't want you to carry the weight and the burden of that hardship all by yourself. All you have to do is trust Jesus. We go, how do we do that? If you know what Jesus is doing right now for you, there can be faith in your heart. There can be faith in your mind. So he puts this story in so we can discover what Jesus is doing for us. So we're going to read this story. It's a little long, but as we read it, look for the action of Jesus. Not your action, but his action that builds your faith. Starts in verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She's projecting, but isn't actually reality. You ever done that? She goes on, but I know even now, God, you will give whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. 
And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house noticed that she was quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man had kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take the stone away, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad order, for he's been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I say this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face, and Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him be free. This entire story is not about what Martha and Mary do. It's about what Jesus does. They send a note to Jesus, and in that moment, Jesus begins to work on their behalf like he works on your behalf. And the first thing Jesus does is he begins to pray. Because at the end of the story, we have this verse in John eleven forty one where Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. So he's there, he's in front of the tomb, but he makes a reference to earlier on, a few days later, he gets the note from them and immediately he starts to have a conversation with the Father about the situation. Do you know what Jesus is doing right now for you? He's talking to the Father. He's talking about you. He is praying for you. The book of Hebrews calls him the great intercessor. Right now, there is a conversation going on in the heavenlies between the Father and Son and it's about your situation. It's about your need. It's about your hardship. And I don't know specifically what they're talking about, but I can tell you that conversation that's happening right now about you, it is a conversation that is full of faith and full of hope and full of victory and full of power. That's the conversation. Why can I trust Jesus? Because right now he's having a conversation with the Father about me. And he makes this statement that you always hear me. There is no situation that you are going through that God says, I don't have time for this. I won't listen. Every situation that you are going through, the son brings to the father, and that conversation means I can trust Jesus. Why? Because right now, they're making plans. Two years ago, when Pastor Paul was diagnosed with cancer, a conversation started in the heavenlies. The son and the father began to talk to each other. How will this work? 
How can we bring glory? And you know what's amazing about that conversation two years ago? You and I were part of that conversation. How could we use Paul's situation to inspire faith and hope in the people of life so that they're all in this together? And it builds my faith to know right now there's a conversation going on. When I have a need, I pray to Jesus. But what Jesus wants you to know, you are not the only one praying. He is praying for you. He is lifting you up to the Father. And I get encouraged when one of my friends will pray for me, but the thought that the Son and the Father right now are talking about you. Sometimes when we go through a hardship, we have this thought, is God really on my side? Especially when there seems to be a silence. There is no silence in this story. Mary and Martha may have thought there was a silence, but there was a conversation. And you can trust Jesus with whatever you're going through because right now, he is at work for you by talking to the Father. And they are making incredible, amazing plans for you. What matters is that on earth, while they're having this conversation, we gotta make sure that our conversation matches that conversation. That the words that come out of us are words of faith and hope and victory as well. Because I want to match the conversation they're happening, so I'm aligned with that. And it builds my faith to know, wow, there is a conversation happening in the heavens right now. And they're talking about me. And then Jesus finally shows up on the scene. And you think, oh, he's going to do the miracle now. Now he's going to do the miracle and he's going to answer the problem that's there. But he doesn't do that. Even before he gets into the village, Martha comes out, and they have this conversation. It's almost like a theological conversation. But he says this in verse 25 and 26. He said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Now, here's what's going on, and it's important to get a hold of this to build your faith. We have a problem, and we want a solution. So we take our problem, and we lift it to the Lord, expecting and desiring a solution. And that's our approach. I got a problem, Lord, give me a solution. Mary and Martha had a problem. Lazarus is sick, now he's dead. They needed a solution. But when Jesus shows up, he adds something more than just the solution. In between the problem and the solution, he gives a revelation of himself. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? And your faith will grow and you will discover an ability to trust Jesus more when you say it's not just about the solution, it's actually about a greater greater revelation Jesus wants to give me in this time. Some of you are here and you have a serious hardship, but when all your focus is on the outcome, the solution, you remove yourself from the opportunity to get a greater revelation of who he is that will sustain you throughout more problems. I've discovered something. I'm old. I've lived on this planet a long time. I got a problem. God gives me a solution. Do you know what happens in the next couple of months? I get another problem. And I need another solution. And then I get another problem. I need another solution. Life is difficult. And when our faith in Christ is simply defined by problem to solution, problem to solution, we miss out on this greater, beautiful, majestic gift he wants to give us, which is himself. He goes to Martha and says, I am. Who do you need Jesus to show himself to you? 
beyond the solution, beyond the outcome, just this personal revelation that is there. There's a story in the New Testament about Jesus being in a house and it's so crowded that nobody else can get in. So friends lower a friend through the roof. This friend is a paralytic, he can't walk, he's got a problem, he needs a solution. And they know Jesus is somebody who can get the solution. So they lower him, the entire house, you can picture it, they all kind of all go back, here comes this cot down to the floor and everybody's going, oh, watch the solution Jesus is gonna bring. And Jesus walks up, maybe he kneels by the guy who's laying down there and he's been a paralytic. And everybody's anticipating a miracle. But Jesus doesn't bring a miracle. He says, your sins are forgiven. If I'm that guy, I'm going like, really, really? Cannot you see what I really need here? I'm glad for this spiritual moment, but I need to walk. And I wonder if Jesus had this conversation with him where he'd say, you think that if you can walk, all of life will be fine. Everything will be okay. You will find pure joy and meaning if you can walk. Look at this house. Look at all these people. They're all walking. Do you think they're all full of joy? He gives him a revelation. I am the son of God. I can bring you full life. Now, then he does provide the miracle. But in this story, Jesus makes a point to say, you can trust me. Why? Because I'm not just going to bring a solution. I'm going to bring myself. I'm going to bring a revelation of who I am. Because sometimes when we're in a hardship, we have this question. Why isn't Jesus answering me? And he is. In a greater way sometimes than solution where he's just showing himself to you. Some of you who are here this morning, some of you watching online. Maybe you've been so focused on the outcome. That you haven't put your heart and a mind in a place where you say, Jesus... I'm trusting you'll bring the solution. Could you show me yourself? Could I discover a new revelation of who you are? When my dad uh, was diagnosed with cancer, it was like a punch in my gut. And I found myself in that cycle. Of course, God's going to heal him. Of course. My dad was a missionary. I'd seen God heal people who were far less spiritual and holy than my dad was, of course. And then we realized dad would have to go through the process. God did heal him. But at the beginning of the process, it was a struggle. And I remember having a conversation with my father where he said, Joel, for whatever reason, if I have to go through the chemo and the surgery, my prayer is, Jesus, teach me something. Show me yourself. And I remember positioning myself, Lord, if we have to walk through this, I need to discover more of who you are. Because there are times when an explanation for your hardship will not meet the need that is in your heart. And only Jesus will meet that need. And you can trust him. Because in this moment, in this incredibly teachable moment that you're in, having offered a prayer and waiting for a solution, he wants to do nothing more than show himself to you with such a great revelation of who he is that will sustain you so much more than just the solution. And when I trust Jesus, it means I prioritize that revelation. I say, Jesus, show me yourself. And my prayers are not just about the outcome, but they're about who he is in my life because I know he's bringing the outcome. So I could trust Jesus. Why? Because there's a conversation going on in heaven. 
I can trust Jesus. Why? Because he is revealing himself to me, and that builds my faith. But I can also trust Jesus because Jesus does something else in this story. It's recorded in verse 33. It says, when Jesus saw her weeping, referring to Mary, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Now, that English word troubled is a really bad translation. It means he was incredibly angry. He was really mad. There's a word I wanted to use to express this anger, but my wife said it would be inappropriate to use that word in church. Why is he so angry? Here's what's happening. He comes on the scene. He sees the hardship. He sees the sorrow. He sees the sickness. He sees the devastation, the despair, and it makes him angry because he knows this is not the world that God created. This is not indicative of how God created humankind to live. He created us with goodness and love and health and power and hope and faith. And he looks at this and he realizes it's just all destroyed and it makes him really pissed off. Sorry, honey. It makes him really, really mad. Because here's what happens. When we go through a hardship, a question comes onto our mind. This isn't fair. And do you know what Jesus says? You're right. This is not fair. This is not just. This is not right. This is not the way God designed this world. And he gets really angry. And what he is doing for you right now is he is fighting for you. He knows that you are in an unjust situation. And whether it's evil or sin or sickness or whatever it may be, he is fighting for you because he knows this is not the way it's supposed to be whatsoever. Because we ask ourselves, how could this happen? And Jesus, when he went from village to village and he'd see this kind of sickness and this kind of destruction, he would never say, why would a good God allow this? Do you know what he said? We're at war and I'm going to take authority over this. I will fight for them. And he comes into this scene and he fights for them. And right now he is fighting for you. And there may be some of us who go, I got nothing left. I'm spent. I got no energy left. And we sang the song during our worship time. And what Jesus wants you to know is you can trust him. Why? Because when you have nothing left, he is the one who is fighting for you. He is the one who is doing battle. There's a picture of this in the Old Testament. As we're in this Bible series, one of the things we discover is that the entire Bible points towards Jesus and speaks to us about Jesus and his role in our life. And there's this story in the Old Testament about this giant named Goliath. And he's the enemy. And he is evil. And the nation of Israel is paralyzed. And into the story comes a shepherd. Now, when we read that story or hear about that story, oftentimes we put ourselves in the place of David who destroyed the giant. But you know who I think we really are? We're the soldiers. Because in this story, you have this giant called Goliath. And over here, you have a group of soldiers and they're paralyzed and they're trembling in fear and they can't do anything. And they're looking at the evil giant and they're going, I can't fight. I can't win this. And a shepherd comes into the story. David, a picture of Christ. And he looks at the people of God and he's going, why are you afraid? And he doesn't chastise them and he doesn't say, you should be ashamed of yourself and walk out. He says, I'll fight for you. And he becomes a substitute for us. And he destroys the enemy. 
And in that story in the Old Testament, David becomes a picture of Jesus and the fight that he is doing for us. And the moment Goliath is killed, all the soldiers, all of a sudden, faith rises up inside of them. Wow, the enemy is destroyed. And they now begin to join the fight. And it's a picture of what Jesus is doing for you right now. He is angry that you are experiencing a world God never designed to experience. It makes him mad. To the degree, he says, I'm going to fight for you. I will destroy the power of the enemy. I will destroy evil. And we go, you know what? When I have nothing left, I can trust him. It's his battle. And I can rely on him to fight my job is to stand firm. The Bible says it this way, fight the good fight of faith. My fight is trusting him. That's where my battle is. Staying true to trusting him. His battle is to battle on my behalf. And you may be here and you got nothing left. You are spent. And you don't know where to turn. Jesus says, trust me. I'm angry that you have to go through this. Trust me that I am fighting for you. And I am making things right and will make things right. Why can you trust Jesus? He's talking to the Father about you. You can trust him because there's a conversation going on. You can trust him if you open your heart and mind because he's going to show himself to you in a new revelatory way. You can trust him because he's fighting for you. And you go, now, finally now we get to the place for sure. This could be the place now where Jesus does the miracle. But it's not quite yet. There's one other reason why you can really trust him. He walks up and now he sees Mary. And he sees them crying. And in the shortest verse of the entire New Testament, it says this in John eleven thirty five: 35, Jesus wept. Doesn't that strike you as a little strange? The word wept there doesn't mean like just a tear. He looks at people crying and he just begins to cry profusely with them. But why? I'll be honest with you, if I'm Jesus, and I'm not in case you're wondering, and my wife will give you a long list of reasons why I'm not. She actually started a website, joelisnotgod.com. You can check it out. If I'm Jesus and in the back pocket, I have a miracle. And I'm going to bring a miracle in such a dramatic way that this funeral is going to turn into a party. The tears, the weeping, all the sadness, it's going to become the most amazing celebration ever. And I know I am on the verge of doing that. And I walk into a place where people are crying. My temptation would be just to crack the biggest smile in the world. It's like, I know something you don't know. But he doesn't. He sees them crying. And he cries. Do you know why you can trust Jesus? Because even though he's bringing your solution... He is so connected to the pain in your heart. He is so connected to your anguish that he cries with you. He weeps with you. You may be a parent and tonight you're going to lay your head on your pillow and you're going to think about that daughter who has kind of walked away from God and you're going to cry 
And what you need to know is you do not cry alone. He's crying with you. He's so connected and wants to know in such an intimate way. Jesus does not bring our solutions like a Marvel comic superhero. He connects with us. Because a lot of times when we are in that hardship, here's the thought we have. Nobody gets me. Nobody really understands this. I'm grateful for the prayers of friends, but they're not the ones who are going through this soul-wrenching divorce. They don't get it. I'm grateful for the prayers of my small group, but they're not the ones who got the diagnosis. They don't wake up the next morning living with that. And oftentimes they'll go, nobody gets me, nobody understands. Listen, Jesus gets you. He sees you. He understands. And it's so exhibited beautifully in this story because before he brings the solution, before he brings the answer, he sees them and he weeps with them. Because oftentimes when we are going through that hardship, we want to be seen. We don't want to feel all alone. Sometimes the pain of the hardship isn't even as difficult as the pain of simply being invisible. Friends, Jesus sees you. Right now, he sees into your most vulnerable, most hurt places of your heart, of your mind, of your fears. It is the gaze that we long for. It is the gaze that will change us. Honestly, it's the only gaze that matters, that I know I need a solution, but wow, I can trust Jesus. Why? Because he gets it. He gets me. And whatever you are going through, whatever hardship you're facing, whatever note you brought to Jesus, you have to understand this. While he is bringing his miracle, he cries with you. Nobody cries alone. It's as if he is giving us permission to be weak. When we cannot be strong, sometimes as Christians we feel like, no, I've got to be strong. My wife and I were asked to go see a, a young mom, three little kids, and her husband had had an affair and left. She's all alone. She's got three little kids. I can't imagine the devastation. I can't imagine what that does to your heart and your soul. And we walked in and we sat in the living room and she started out immediately and she said, you know, Pastor Joel, you know, I, I know this is hard, but I've just got to be strong and I've just got to stand firm. And I interrupted her and I felt like the Holy Spirit just gave me a word for her. And I said, Susan, you need to know God gives you permission to be weak. He gives you permission to be weak. And she just had this flood of tears. Trusting Jesus is not about being strong in your own natural composure. Trusting Jesus is going, when I'm weak, he'll be strong for me. When I can't fight, he will fight for me. He cries with you. And while you are waiting and expecting, you got to know you are not doing this alone. How can you trust Jesus? There's a conversation going on between the Father and the Son. The creator of the universe has bandwidth to talk about you. How can you trust Jesus? Because this afternoon, if you will hit the pause button on the outcome and just say, Jesus, show yourself to me, he will. He'll do it through his word. He'll do it by his spirit. And you'll just go, oh, he is present. I can rely on him. How can you trust Jesus? Because when you've got nothing left, he is fighting for you. And you trust him because you know he's the one who's doing this battle. Some of you have been holding on to that 
issue, that hardship, in a way that God has never expected you to. It has become a weight on your shoulders that God never designed. It has become a, a burden of despair. And what Jesus wants you to do is just lift that to him. Almost with a prayer that says, I can't carry this anymore. I can't carry this illness anymore, Jesus. I gotta give it to you. I can't carry my adult child anymore. I gotta give it to you. I can't carry this fear, this anxiety in my mind. I've gotta give it to you. How can you trust Jesus? Because when you give that to him, as you give that to him, he cries with you. He gets you. He sees you. And then you get to the end of the story where God brings the solution. But if you look at the story carefully, he does so much more than bring the solution. He says this in John 11, verse 40. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? God answers you. He brings the miracle that you have been asking for, but he does something far greater. Through your hardship, he brings him glory. He never wastes a hardship. He never wastes a crisis. He never wastes a prayer. He will get glory through your life. And that in itself is like, wow, I can trust Jesus. Why? Because there's a greater agenda going on here. There's a greater purpose going on here. Pastor Paul and Marie say, I can trust Jesus. Why? Because somehow God's going to get glory through this. And I have a faith and a confidence that he will get going through this. God did not cause your suffering. He did not cause your hardship. But he will bring it to a greater purpose. You get to bring him glory. Your life. Your story. As difficult as it is, it isn't just about the solution. You'll bring him glory. I went to visit my dad on the hospital floor after his surgery. He'd been there for just a few days. As I walked on the hospital floor, the nurse met me and she goes, are you Pastor Jack's son? I said, yeah. And she said, wow, he's only been here for a couple of days recovering from surgery, but our entire floor has changed. And I said, why? And she described to me how my dad, frail as he was from surgery with his little IV stand, would go from room to room. And if other cancer patients would allow him, he'd sit next to them and he'd open up the Bible and he'd read them words of hope and faith. If they would let, he'd pray with them that they would receive healing. And I discovered my dad wasn't a cancer patient. He was a missionary to cancer patients. God, God healed my dad. He brought the solution. But greater than that, he got the glory. God is healing Pastor Paul, but he's getting the glory. And in your life, whatever hardship you're having, the solution is coming. But even greater than that, that story's going to bring God glory. It's going to influence other people. It's going to affect things. And he's going to get glory. So you go, I need to trust Jesus. That's my job. He's doing the heavy lifting. He's doing the hard work. And I just have this sense that some of us are here and we're carrying a burden God has never asked us to carry. A weight a despair. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to all to stand to your feet, the locations here in this auditorium. Would you just stand to your feet? And we're going to take a moment. Pastor Paul's going to come up and he's going to pray over us. But as he comes, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to lift your hands. It's an act of surrender. It is an act where you are saying, Jesus, I brought my need to you. I am now giving it to you. It's an act of faith and trust. There are some of you in here 
And you need to know, maybe for the first time ever, of that conversation in the heavenlies that's going on. And that's enough to go, if the Father and Son are talking, I can lift it to him. I can lift it to him. I can give it to him. You can literally feel the weight of that burden lifting off your shoulders. You don't need the outcome to have that weight lifted. There are some of you in here, and you realize you have been so focused only on the solution, you haven't really received a revelation, and Jesus wants to come to you this week with an I am statement. And you're going to lift your burden to him, and you're going to go, Jesus, I'm trusting you with the outcome. This week, I'm not going to focus on that. I'm going to open up your word. Reveal yourself to me. There are some of you in here, and you're exhausted, and you're trying to fight a fight in the natural. And what enables you to trust Jesus is he says, remember, I'm David. You're not David. I'll fight your fight. I give you permission in this moment to be weak. And there may be some of you who are here. And the thing that will really build your faith is just realize while he's bringing the answer, he's crying with you. You are not alone. He gets you. And that whatever your hardship is, whatever your difficulty is, there is glory coming in the answer. So would you close your eyes with me and would you lift your hands to heaven and would you literally see yourself just giving him that burden, giving that to him and making this declaration, Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I give this to you. I'm not going to carry it in the natural anymore. I give it to you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I trust you're encouraged by this incredibly powerful word. You know, you've always got a place to call home here at Life, and I want to encourage you to join us in one of our campuses in Auckland or Tauranga, or why don't you join us at Church Online. To find out more about life and to stay connected with us, why don't you visit lifenz.org.